Hello. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. <laughs> you were about to say something else and then you remembered. I was going to say, if you heard that uh, burp, it was our ghost, but we'll blame cut it on that the out. ghost. Blame it on the ghost. That's the best thing about this podcast is we can blame everything on the ghost. Yeah. Most of the time that's accurate though. It's true. <laughs> it's not us. It's them. Have you been wearing your sunglasses on your head? Oh, I guess I have. This whole time? I haven't even been outside. I didn't even notice you were doing that in the last episode. I didn't either. Did I put them on? When Did I went you to just, the bathroom? I don't know. I don't know either. We're tired. <laughs> but we're here to talk to you about you. Something very serious. <laughs> How haunted you all are. This is an intervention. We're going to sit you down and read stories about how haunted you are and be like, keep doing it. Yeah, keep on ghosting on, because this is an Encounters episode. It is. Do you want to start? Sure. Okay. 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 Let's see. Okay. I have one. Oh, actually, I should probably end this. Uh, no, I'm just going to start with this one. Okay. Okay. This is from our listener, Mary, who we met in, where was it? Um, Norfolk. 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 We met Mary and Julia, Aunt Julia, and... Mary was our like, Aunt Julia. Our Aunt Julia. Mary was like, oh my gosh, I sent you a story. And when Mary told us the subject line, I was like, I already pulled that. So I was super excited to read it. And the subject line is, a ghost grabbed my ass and took my pants off in my sleep. <laughs> the end. That's all I needed That's to all hear. you needed to hear. <laughs> okay. Hi, ghostesses. My name is Mary and I love your podcast. It's one of my top faves in the weekly rotation at work. You guys literally helped me get through my work nights. So when I was 19, I started dating a guy that I had known my entire life, like since I was five, whole life. I'm also 31 now and he's an ex. So eventually when I'm 19 and dating him for a while, he eventually asked me to move in with him and his family due to some circumstances on my end. It would be me, him, his mom, his dad, and his niece living there. So I had known them for a super long time and I also knew that when they bought the house, it was super haunted. Great. I have so many stories. It was so haunted, and I was so scared that I used to wake him up in the middle of the night to walk downstairs with me when I had to pee. <laughs> so one day, all the guys went to work, and it was just me, his mom, and his niece at home. It was a pretty lazy day, nothing going on. His mom and his niece were downstairs watching TV. So I was like, I'm just going to go take a shower and make myself presentable. I go to take a shower, I go back upstairs, and I get dressed and stuff. So in our room, I had a dresser with a mirror on top of it and a comfy chair directly in front of it. So when I got ready, I would stand between the chair and the dresser slash mirror, if that makes sense. So I put on a t-shirt and some underwear because I did not want to put pants on. And I'm standing in front of the chair, looking in the mirror, brushing my hair, putting product in it. When out of nowhere, I feel what feels like a hand grab a whole handful of my butt. Oh. Like they were not subtle with it at all. Cup in the boot. Like a big old... Yeah. Juicy grab. Juicy grab. Hey, seize the opportunity. Yeah. Like, I almost feel like they, like, went in with claw motion. Yeah. They're just... They were waiting. They were waiting for Mary. They like jiggling for, it. Because <laughs> Mary has a great butt. <laughs> and they were not subtle at all. So I turn, and I look around the chair, and nothing was there. I probably stood there for, like, 15 seconds before my brain actually registered what happened. <laughs> and nobody being there. And I was like, what the fuck? And my body got that wave of cold and I booked it down the stairs. I swear, I flew down the stairs like you do in a dream. Then I'm standing in the middle of the living room in front of his mom and niece in my underwear. 
And they were like, what is wrong? And I kind of just laughed nervously in disbelief. And I pointed up the stairs and I said, um, something just grabbed my butt upstairs. <laughs> and they both kind of nervous laughed and they're like, are you serious? To be clear, no one was a stranger to hauntings in this house. So I made both of them come upstairs to check it out with me. And his mom in her sternest mom voice said, please leave Mary alone while she's getting dressed. That is inappropriate. <laughs> I'm glad she did say that because it is inappropriate. It is. So after that, I threw on some pants until my boyfriend got home and I pretty much wouldn't be upstairs by myself for a little while. Another story that happened in this house upstairs again while I was all alone. Ugh. But this is the good one. <laughs> okay. Good one as in like good story or good haunting. Yeah. Or just consented to the next butt grab. We'll find out. My boyfriend went and spent the night at his brother's house that night for some reason. It was the first time I was sleeping there without him. How was I ever to pee in the middle of the night? <laughs> his mom also had a super bad cold around that time. So that night she went and took a bunch of nighttime cold medicine and went to sleep. And his dad normally slept like a rock anyways. So I'm upstairs and it's time to go to bed and I'm wearing a t-shirt and a pair of sweatpants. I do the feet lift slash blanket tuck under and then tuck myself in on the sides with the blanket like a cocoon. So... Thinking nothing will get me in my blanket burrito. I woke up sweating, super hot. So I start moving around trying to get comfy. And then I actually opened my eyes and was looking around because of course I slept with the light on and I looked down towards my legs and realized my sweatpants were laying on top of my blanket. I started checking my surroundings, looking at the blanket I had tucked in around my legs and I was still tucked in exactly like I was before I fell asleep. And it looked like the pants were just laid perfectly on top of me where my legs would have been on top of the blanket. Hmm. Then I start to kind of freak out and I rip the blanket off of me and inspect my legs to see if there were any marks because I'm thinking the worst at this point. But there are no marks, nothing on me. And then I look at the clock and it's 3.03 a.m. Great. The I literally hour. out loud said, fuck. <laughs> I'm so scared to tears at this point. I tried calling my boyfriend probably 20 times because I was going to make him come home, but he doesn't answer. So I yelled for his niece who was across the hall until she woke up and I made her come sleep in the room with me. We didn't have cable upstairs, just a DVD player. And the only movie we had up there was Super Troopers. So I watched Super Troopers until the sun came up. And then me and his niece went downstairs and slept on the couch all day. I never spent the night alone in that house again. I have so many stories from living there, from darting shadow figures to two left bare feet prints on a wet tin roof in the middle of the night. Shut to a paranormal group literally leaving in the middle of their investigation and what? never hearing from them again and so many more. Mary, this is like, come on. Here I was thinking we were getting an email with all of Mary's experiences. Just these. Just a teaser. Thanks for all you do and your awesome stories and research. If you read this on the pod, I will literally freak out. See you on the other side, Mary. Holy crap. Mary, well, this was, thank you for sharing this one, but now... We expect more from you. <laughs> I know. I really want to know about, well, I want to know about the paranormal group who left. I think she told but, us about that in person. And I was like, can you tell us? I want to know about the tin, the tin roof footprints too. And two left feet. Yeah. Someone doing like a little hopscotch on the roof. Real quick. What? I'm going to look and see if Mary sent us any other emails. Okay. Because then you can read that next. Exactly. Oh my gosh. My mom just texted me and said, Ask the hotel you're checking into today for the event schedule because there are bagpipes at sunset. <laughs> Sick. That was amazing. Okay. This is called Forgive Me Father for I Have Sinned, but this shit's fucked. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. It, this is serious. Okay. Okay. I'm going to put my serious face on. Great. Hello, girls, ghosts, 
and guests. <laughs> GGG. My name is Nina and I've been a big fan of yours since last year when I had to start commuting an hour one way to work. A lot of stories kept me awake on my drive, which if they hadn't, I'm sure I'd be telling these stories via Ouija board. Oh no. Okay. We're glad it's not that way. I know. I guess that's a good way to keep yourself awake when you're driving. It's like, listen to something that horrifies you. Right. That's true. Many of my friends call me a lightning rod for paranormal activity, possessions, exorcisms, haunted dolls, ghosts of all times and ages, aliens, demons, skin boys, religious trauma, sleep paralysis, shadow people, you name it, I've probably experienced it. <laughs> Have you written a book? Because you should. I know. I will read it. Well, I do consider myself empathic. I am unsure as to why these encounters always seem to find me. It's starting to feel like it's not a coincidence. You know, after 25 years of life, can you say denial? Sheesh. <laughs> Even though I have many stories, there's one in particular that I think you would appreciate. It's a long one, so bear with me. This story takes place during my junior year of undergrad. I went to a small liberal arts college in Illinois, and I lived in an on-campus apartment with four of my friends, three of which are pretty to very religious and two of which are agnostic and atheist. This will be important later. I'll name them. Emery, Kaylee, Kylie, and Casey. And then our emailer, Nina. Okay. Those are the five roommates. Also, you're you're exposing your feet for free. This is a teaser. <laughs> and we'll you put get like the full, a... the full foot <laughs> later. <laughs> I'm at the point where I don't even care. We'll put like I'm a little tired. like sensor over your feet. <laughs> it's just the big toes on either side. <laughs> Which is what people really like. They're all like. tucked in. Our apartment had a living room and a kitchen area right when we walked in the door. There was a small hallway with two bedrooms, mine at the end and Emery's closest to the living room, and a bathroom at the end of the hallway to the left. There was a longer hallway with three bedrooms, Casey's closest to the living room, Kylie's in the middle, Kaylee's at the end, and the bathroom at the end of the hallway to the right. Unlike many of the buildings on campus, this one was brand new, but we all know that that doesn't mean anything. Mm -mm. I also lived in one of the oldest, and my room just happened to be the one in which a student had accidentally shot himself. Oh, go oh figure. Gosh. That's probably a story for the campfire. Oh, that's so sad. I know. Emery, Kaylee, Kylie, and I were all hanging out in our living room with a couple of our guy friends who live across the hall when Casey came in a little freaked out. When we asked her what was wrong, she said something along the lines of, I was on the stairwell when I ran into someone. He was tall and he was wearing black pants and a black hoodie. And I ran into him pretty hard on accident. So I turned around to say that I was sorry, but he was gone. She doesn't recall him having a face, but she did note that he appeared to be looking down. We all kind of shrugged it off. Maybe he was just a fast walker. Maybe he didn't like confrontation. Who knows? But she kept repeating that she bumped into him very hard. Little did oh. we know this would only be the beginning. <gasps> ah! Oh my gosh. I feel like this is also going to get scary. And I'm, I was picturing it I being know. like the ghost of this man who had accidentally shot himself. But now I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's going somewhere dark. Like a goosebumps turn. Yeah. Emery is very friendly, outgoing and social. And she wanted to encourage other students to stop by our apartment. So our door was regularly propped open when we were home. We felt comfortable with this because there were security guards at the front door of the building. You needed a student ID to get in. And we had our five guy friends across the hall if we ever needed anything. So don't come for us true crimers. LOL. <laughs> I feel like that's a very college dorm thing to do. It is. Yeah. yeah. Most people keep their doors open, I feel yeah. like, if you're extroverted. <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe a week later, after Casey had her run-in on the stairs, I arrived home before everyone else. I'm a very anxious, extroverted introvert, if you know, you know. (laughs) And I wanted to lead by Emery's example, so I propped the door open. I walked to my room, I dropped my backpack with a heavy thump, and then I heard one of the kitchen stools pull out as if someone went to sit at the kitchen table. I called out, Emery? She was the next person to get home. No answer. I call out, hello? No answer. At this point, my heart starts pounding. I slowly walk to my door and I peer around the corner. I look towards the kitchen table and there's a man sitting there, his side profile to me, with his hands folded and his head in his hands. He appeared clear as day, not a black form, a person, or what I thought was a person. What he was wearing, you ask? Black pants and a black hoodie. I oh my to gosh. Myself, Maybe he's here to talk to Casey about what went down on the stairs the other day. So I said, hey, Casey's not here if you're looking for her. No answer. I stare at him for a good five seconds before speaking again. I say, hello? No answer. At this point, I'm starting to feel a little scared and a little pissed off. So I say, Casey's not here. You need to leave. He then starts tapping his foot (gasps) as if he's the one that's frustrated. Fight or flight kicks in and I guess my body chose flight. And I did exactly what I scream at scary movie characters for. I ran into my room instead of out the front door. (laughs) Well, because she would have to run past him to go out the front door. I lock the door and I pull out my phone to call 911 and the heaviest thing that I could use to defend myself with. As I was getting ready to press the call button, I felt relief, like a giant weight had been pulled off of my back. I felt so relieved that I did what most people would think to be crazy. I opened the door and he was gone. After that, he never appeared in the physical form again, but the activity never stopped. My my steel cross that my grandma gave me flew across the room. My desk chair would swing out on its own. The clocks in the living room would fall off the wall and land straight up. My door would shake after I'd gone to bed and when my roommates or my friends came in to check on me. I would be standing behind the door looking at them. I have no recollection of this. <gasps> oh my God. Oh my God. So freaky. Holy shit. It's it w- also crazy how long this guy's spirit was like physically visible. Yeah. Right. And they, like he was tapping his foot. Like there was just yeah. so much that was oh my visible gosh. too. It was after all of this that the entity gained a nickname, Cornelius. <laughs> if I had it my way, his name would have been Big Brat. <laughs> <laughs> Since I have been the one who's experienced the most with the paranormal, his shenanigans didn't really phase me. They were just really annoying. And to any other person that had an encounter with him, especially Casey, it was absolutely terrifying. Rightfully so. It got so bad that Casey, the atheist of the household, had agreed to allow the campus priest to come bless and cleanse (gasps) the apartment. Oh my gosh. The priest was pretty young for a priest, but he was very traditional. If you don't know anything about Catholicism, I wish I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Religious trauma. Ghosts aren't really a thing. So we came in pretty skeptical about what we were experiencing to begin with. However, we were obviously very scared and concerned. So he agreed to do the blessing anyway. My roommates, our guy friends, and I all sit in the living room as the priest walked around saying his blessing and spraying holy water. As he did so, I started to feel a deep sadness. The kind of sadness after you feel betrayed or hurt badly by someone that you trusted. I didn't say anything. I attributed the feeling to being uncomfortable with the priest in our apartment, and I didn't want to scare anyone. The blessing only took about 10 minutes. When he was done, we thanked him, and then he left. After five minutes had passed, I felt a burning sensation on my side. I said, (gasps) ow! All of my friends whipped their heads in my direction, And almost in unison, they say, what's wrong? Again, not wanting to scare anyone, I say, nothing. Oh, no. Then someone said, you don't just say ow for no reason. So I replied, it's nothing. I just feel like I got scratched. 
They all looked at me with concerned expressions as I lifted up my shirt to reveal three thick red marks. Everyone screamed. Yes, the men too. (laughs) And they ran as fast as they could to the building lobby, most of them with drinks still in their hands. I looked at the marks for a few seconds and I said, brat out loud before walking <laughs> after them i love how brave nina is like <laughs> like sick and tired of these like bratty ghosts they were all standing in a circle in the lobby out of breath from running and one of our guy friends looked at us looked at his beer that he was too young to be drinking at the time and stated forgive me father for i have sinned but this shit's fucked I hope you enjoyed. Like I said, I have plenty of other stories, but I thought you'd like this one the most. It's definitely the longest and the most dramatic, LOL. We didn't have any other experiences with him at our senior house off campus, so he may have been attached to the building. I'm just glad that he didn't follow me. Jeez. Thank you both so much for all that you do. I love the podcast and your campfire stories make me feel a whole lot less alone when it's been a rough day and week. Nina. Nina. Okay, well, it sounds like the blessing did work. And then his like final FU was like the scratch mark. Yeah. It was like, fine, I'll leave, but not without making a bratty statement. But, but this is also reminding me of goosebumps. It's like, so the the guy accidentally shot himself, but like, was it an accident? Is this something where like the pain and the suffering and the mm. the hurt of losing his life so suddenly is being like, like what? why is he, why is his spirit there and trying to cause harm? Like, does he blame? Or is it even that spirit? Like, it could be something completely different. Like, it doesn't have to necessarily be him. Or something that, like, kind of fed off of the trauma that happened there and is just now existing. Yeah, I don't know. It's so strange. And, like, the, like, coming into the dorm and sitting there with his head in his hands, like, Mm -hmm. it seems sad. Like, it almost seems like I'm upset and I want to talk about something, but then it turns angry. Which, honestly, if I'm a spirit and you you are appearing physically, but you can't express verbally, like, I imagine that would be really frustrating. Right. Because maybe he wanted a, are you okay? What's wrong? And instead he got, get out. Yeah. But clearly he came with some bad vibes because Nina was like, Nina's experienced Nina's enough experienced where I'm like, I trust, I trust Nina's gut. Yeah. Me too. She's like, brat. <laughs> <laughs> brat. <laughs> I feel like usually it's like, you know claim your space and like just be like don't mess with me but nina's just like you brat like you're such a brat pest annoying (laughs) little pest my gosh i wonder if anyone else has experienced anything in that dorm i feel like you have to in that apartment probably well i hope that that boy who whose life ended i hope that he gets to move on and that whatever this thing is is it's not human it's just living there yeah Yeah. because i feel horrible if it if it is for some reason part of him or him. I also, Nina, I want to hear all of Nina's story. <laughs> I know. This one was a great one to start with. Yeah. Though. Okay. So I did find a little thing from Mary. It's not about all the other stories, but we can end. It's like a very short like paragraph and like we'll end the episode with it. Okay. But I have something from our listener, Natalia, and it's called Brother's Ex-Girlfriend Cursed My Family. Okay. That's not great. Not great. But I feel like honestly with curses, this is usually how it goes. It's someone's ex or... Right. Just like, don't curse people. Some jealous person. Well, I guess you'd have to be somehow connected to the family to just blindly curse someone. I don't know. I feel like you could accidentally curse someone if they're like in the vicinity. I feel like I accidentally... What do you mean? Me and my brother both, like, we're like, we need to be more careful with our words because we had two teachers that were just really unkind to us and to everyone. What'd you do? And I know it's not my fault, but... What happened? I was like, curse them. 
I just said that out loud in frustration. I was like, oh, curse them. Uh-huh. And then they died both. Both Very of them? horrible deaths. Yeah. How old were you? <sighs> 13, 12. Do not get on Corinne's bad side. My God. I've never said that about another person ever again. And it's not your fault. It's not. It's not. They were, yeah. They're, what yeah. happened was, it was horrible. But yeah. I can't imagine me in frustration just saying, oh, curse them because they were being rude is what no, that led no. to a horrible and horrific death for them. If it happens for a third time, then I'm going to be worried. I'm not saying it a third okay, time. good. Don't. All right. Well, here's a, a story about a curse. Hello, ghoulies. My name is Natalia. Pronounced Natalia. I did it right. Natalia. Right? Natalia. And I'm a longtime listener. I listen to you guys so often, I feel like I spend more time with you than with my husband. <laughs> the husband needs to listen now, too. Yeah. We can do this together. A couple's experience. Yeah. I've been meaning to write to you guys for a very long time because I have a handful of experiences I wanted to tell you about, including one about how me and my brother were abducted together while in different continents. What? That is so cool. It is so cool. I hope I hope it was a cool experience. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not horribly traumatizing. I mean, it is. I think the most fascinating thing about that is like how it does feel like it's a familial thing. Mm-hmm. Like both of them at the same time in completely different places in the world were abducted. They're on the watch list. And how do I get adopted by your family? I know. This just means it really doesn't matter where you are. They'll find you. If they want you, they will have you. And how do you get them to want you is the question. Oh, (laughs) or excite them. (laughs) Tantalize their tingly feelings. I don't know. What was I going to say? Your wildest dreams. It is. Okay. So Natalia says, recently this one thing happened and it was just so crazy that I simply had to write you about it. So if you're ready, (laughs) we're ready. I think you're ready for all the ants. Here is the story of how my brother's ex-girlfriend cursed us. Strap in because it's a long one. Trigger warning, there are mentions of mental health struggles and suicide attempts in this story. So for some background, my brother's girlfriend, let's call her Polly. She used to be my best friend. We met in high school and we were inseparable. We had sleepovers all the time. My parents loved her and her mom loved me. Our parents even became friends and we would all hang out together all the time. Naturally, when we went off to university, we couldn't be together as often, but we remained close friends. Then in our late 20s, Polly moved back to our hometown, and shortly after, she started dating my younger brother, Rick. At that time, I was preparing to get married and move abroad, so I wasn't able to visit home often, and I couldn't hang out with them too much. They had a rocky relationship, but I tried to stay out of it, and I told them that no matter what happened, Polly would still be my friend, and Rick obviously would still be my brother— and to keep me out of their fights. Hell yeah, boundaries. (laughs) A couple months go by, I get married, I move to Europe, and very soon after, Polly and Rick break up, but they were staying on good terms. My brother also moved abroad, and Polly was still friends with me and my sisters. We still talked all the time, and she and my sisters would hang out a lot, so everything seemed fine. But now, fast forward eight years later. I'm visiting home from Europe around the same time Rick had just moved back home. And as was usual whenever I visited, Polly came and hung out with me almost every day while I was there. But this was also the first time that Rick was living back home since they had broken up eight years prior. Mm. So there was no avoiding them bumping into each other occasionally. I guess I don't have to say it, but yeah, they ended up getting back together a couple of times, but they knew better than to tell me much about it because I did not want to be in the middle of whatever they had going on. 
A few days before I left, Polly came to me and handed me two crystals encased in handmade necklaces, which she told me she had made herself, one for me and one for my brother, that she had charged the crystals to protect us. She said she didn't want Rick to know about it and asked me to hide it in his wardrobe. Hmm. So I did, and I forgot about it. I then flew back to Europe and didn't think of that anymore. Very soon after, me and my sisters noticed that Polly had all of a sudden blocked us and all of her social media. We tried to reach out, but she completely ignored us and then deleted us from all of her accounts. My sisters heard through the grapevine that Polly and Rick had an ugly breakup. So we assumed that that was why she blocked all of us. Although we thought it was quite unfair given that we had nothing to do with it and we were her friends long before she started dating our brother. And then around that same time, I fell into a deep, horrible depression. I had struggled with depression since early in my teens and was no stranger to it. But now in my mid thirties, I had learned to spot the signs that it was about to take a turn for the worse, and I knew to activate my safety net to keep me safe and well as much as possible. This time, though, it came crushing down on me without warning, like it felt like an immense mass of heavy darkness had fallen on me. I couldn't get out of bed, shower, brush my teeth, eat, change out of my pajamas, or even walk my dog. I was paralyzed. I lost my job, and I spent all day, every day, crying in bed. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know. I started feeling desperately suicidal and started rehearsing my method of choice to act on it when I got a chance, but my beautiful, loving husband who knows me too well could tell how bad I was and kept a close watch on me at all times. Luckily, I never got a chance or did anything too serious. One morning though, I woke up with an intense feeling and I felt like I had to go sit at my altar, my witch altar, I'm a Wiccan, and I felt like I had to light a candle to the goddess. And nothing, not even debilitating depression, will ever make me ignore the goddess when she calls. Because I know better than to risk getting on the wrong side of her. So I got up for the first time in weeks. I sat by the altar and offered her a candle. And then I stayed there watching the flame, trying to figure out what she was telling me. When all of a sudden, I saw this message very clear. Get rid of the crystals. Oh, I just got, I got chills. I had completely forgotten about the crystals Polly had given me and my brother, but I knew immediately that this is what it was about. I didn't think the message would be that clear. I thought it would be like, someone has wished you harm and then you have to figure it out. No, it's that clear. It's direct. I knew I couldn't tell Rick. So I phoned my mom and I told her everything. And my mom, who was a little bit of a witch of herself, said it was best to throw them into a body of running water in the wild to make sure that the energy was carried away. So I grabbed my crystal and I ran to the canal down the road, threw it away and didn't look back. On the other side of the world, my mom had a harder time dealing with Rick's crystal. First, it took her hours to find it, even though I told her exactly where I'd hidden it. And she eventually found it just where I had said it was, even though she had looked there hundreds of times. What? (laughs) My mom blowing my mind. Yeah. My mom felt the energy in the crystal and was scared. So she asked one of my sisters to come with her to the river to get rid of it. And the following is a translation of my sister's messages to me about what had happened. So this is in quotes from Natalia's sister. We got in the car. Mom tried to turn the key in the ignition and the car made a horrible hue noise. All of the car lights started blinking. The beams, the blinkers, the inside lights, the dashboard, everything went crazy. Then all of a sudden it stopped and the car went dead. It wouldn't turn on. The engine had no sign of life, nothing. It was completely dead. And this was a new, perfectly functioning car. This is reminding me of Greg and Dana's car ride with Mm -hmm. Billy the Idol. 
Mom then said we should walk. And I told her I needed to change out of my flip-flops into my trainers. So I put the crystal in my pocket and went inside. When I flipped the switch, the same thing happened. All of the lights started blinking violently in the house until poof, they went out and nothing worked anymore. What in the world? This is the strongest freaking curse ever. I yelled, forget the trainers. And my mom and I ran together to the river in her flip-flops. <laughs> we were so scared. We covered the 20 minute walk in less than 10 minutes and finally threw the crystal away. This is Natalia again. My mom later told me that in the weeks leading up to that, she knew something was wrong because she could feel the heavy energy in the house, but had no idea where it was coming from. She said my normally very chill brother was acting super out of character, snapping at everyone for the tiniest things and being really nasty towards my sisters, which was the clearest sign that something was wrong because he absolutely adores those girls and treats them like princesses. So for him to have flipped a switch and become verbally aggressive to them, like my mom said he was, something was definitely not right at all. That got my sisters on edge and obviously my parents got really stressed too. So the house was a living hell and this is all happening while I was depressed in bed. Mom also said that the night before I found her, she had prayed fervently to be shown what was the cause of all of that. And then I told her about the crystals the very next morning, that morning, the one that I heard the call from the goddess. After we got rid of the crystals, everything went back to normal. Rick seems to have no idea that anything was wrong and we never told him about it. He went back to being the loving and caring brother we knew and I slowly came out of my depressive episode. That same week, I even started applying to new jobs, was called in for three interviews and got offered two of those roles. So I guess we can say that the crystals really were affecting us. We don't think that Polly actively tried to harm us though. We think she really did charge the crystals with her energy to protect us, but that when things went south with Rick, she probably felt so hurt and betrayed that she inadvertently channeled the negative energy to the crystals and then it affected us. Wow. So yeah, that is how I lost one of my best friends and ended up almost unaliving myself when my brother almost ruined his relationship with our sisters. Thank you so much for being amazing people and for keeping me company every day. Stay spooky, Natalia. Natalia, oh my gosh. I also, I mean, you can see how much empathy and love Natalia has for this friend too, to be like, yeah. I don't think that she actually meant for any of this to happen. It was probably just like the hurt that just the energy was redistributed yeah. on those crystals but my god it's so scary i'm not sure what i would have thought i know it, was, it just breaks my heart because it's like i think about like yeah losing a friend like that and then like her blocking them and never even talking to them again yeah i'm sure it's something that they probably thought about before you know like their yeah. biggest fear when they were like, you have a a friend start dating a sibling yeah it's a big risk it is yeah but i'm glad that Natalia, you are okay and that you were able to come out of this depressive state and geez, curses are just so, it makes me so sad. I'm like, don't, don't curse people. And I'm like, what is the energy? Like who are the spirits or the entities? Like who, what is it that is acting on this? Do you summon something or are you creating something? Like I'm so But I mean, this emphasizes to me like the existence of shadow people because we've talked about it where it's like, we all have a dark energy. Like we have the ability to hurt, to harm to be evil we most of us don't act on that you know we we all have negative thoughts like that's normal but it makes me think that like the theory of shadow people of like how when people die that negative piece kind of breaks off of them and creates shadow people or dark energy i mean this emphasizes that for me because it's like clearly we have the ability to like release some darkness yeah the bell witch one of our first episodes and we reference it constantly because it is it is that theory of like darkness chipping off and Becoming, existing on its own. Making 
and like a whole other life. Mm-hmm. Don't date your <laughs> friends, brothers. <laughs> or make like a pact and yeah. have a plan of action. I don't know. And then don't curse people. Help. It, it's hard because I feel like I know people who haven't been through that, but I know people who whose friendships have dissolved with some of their best friends because they start to associate that friend with like a traumatic experience that they yeah. themselves had, that the friend might've just been there or was there to support them through it. But it's yeah. still like a constant reminder. I mean, I feel like I've experienced this so many times too with, I've had a lot of friends in high school who have gone to rehab and it's like, sometimes we get frustrated because we're like, oh, why aren't they trying to hang out with us? Like we're yeah. the ones, we're, we're not the ones doing drugs. Like we're the safe people to go right. to. But it's the association. But yeah. We were around during that really hard part of their lives and that's what they remember. Yeah. <sighs> I just hope everyone's happy. <laughs> I know. Life is hard. I know. Okay. This is called I think an angel nurse saved my infant daughter. Oh, this is a good one. Okay. Hi Sabrina and Corinne. Thank you for the amazing, heartwarming, spooky podcast. I've listened to most of the episodes since the very first one, and I just recently skipped ahead to 2022 to make sure that I was still okay to send in stories. I'll circle back, though. Don't want to miss anything. (laughs) I'm nervous about sending this as I rarely talk about it, but here it goes. I'm a mother and grandma living in western New Hampshire near the Vermont border. But the strange thing that I want to tell you about happened several decades ago when I was living in the Canadian province of New Brunswick, next door to northern Maine. It was 1997, and I was a young mother of two children, ages four and nearly one, and I was shopping in a big department store with my four-year-old walking next to me, and then the baby propped in the front seat of a big metal shopping cart. I was using toilet paper packages to hold her in as as they had not yet implemented safety belts. (laughs) I bent over for a fraction of a second to grab duct tape from a lower shelf, and in that split second, the baby leaned forward, tumbled out of the seat, (gasps) hitting her head on the cement floor. Oh my gosh. Time seemed to stand still. I grabbed her. I lifted her, checking frantically for injury. And oh no, her eyes rolled back in her head as she appeared to lose consciousness. I'm in an absolute panic. I'm carrying my baby. I pulled my four-year-old along by the hand and we ran to the service desk at the front. It's kind of a blur, but I remember yelling and begging at an associate to please get off the phone. I needed to call an ambulance. What? He said, not grasping the situation. Get off the phone. I need the phone. I need to call an ambulance. My baby hit her head. I screamed, or at least I think I was screaming. I know that as a mother, I'm supposed to remain calm and assess the situation, but I realized time was of the essence and I needed help immediately. The clerk blinked at me a couple of times, the phone still at his ear, and I could not believe it. I was scared to death that my child, who was breathing but was pale and unresponsive, could actually die. And that's when I heard the calmest voice that I've ever heard. Give me the baby. I turned. It was a woman. I already have chills. Maybe mid-thirties, speaking calmly and holding her hands out to me. I'm a nurse. Hand me the baby, she said. I was fighting tears and panic, and I only remember thinking, somebody with a medical background. Okay, okay. So I handed her my infant daughter, who was starting to come around, and the woman said to me, I have my van here. I have a car seat and a booster seat. I work at the hospital. Let me drive you there. It may have not been those exact words, but that's what I understood. With my four-year-old, I quickly followed her out into the parking lot. She buckled my infant daughter into the car seat while I buckled my older child. She drove us to the local hospital only five minutes away, and I remember her telling me her name, Paula. While we drove, she kept saying, keep her awake, don't let her fall asleep. When we got there, she just said, follow me. We did. 
We went right through the ER, we skipped triage altogether, and into the back part where the doctors and the exam rooms were. I don't remember much after that, but a doctor quickly attended to the baby and assessed that she had a bad concussion. After monitoring her for a few hours, the doctor sent us home with similar advice to not let her fall asleep for several more hours, but that she would probably be fine. Oh my gosh. I don't remember how we got home. My husband must have picked us up. It was a harrowing night. We spent checking on the baby and comforting my four-year-old who was traumatized by the whole ordeal. The next morning when it looked like my infant daughter would be okay, I called the hospital to extend the most sincere thanks and gratitude to the nurse, Paula, who had driven us to the hospital and walked us through. I didn't know how to begin to thank her for such a selfless act, but I wanted to try. Yeah. The hospital staffer on the phone was puzzled. She said there's no nurse by that name working here. Wait, what? So I explained what Paula had done just the day before. She works here. She talked to someone. She brought us in. I said. She checked with the department. No, sorry, she said. No one by that name works here. I will never understand what exactly happened that day. Just thinking about it, I get teary-eyed. And that was 26 years ago. So did I hear her name wrong? I don't think so. Was she an angel? I'll never know. But Paula, whoever and wherever you are, thank you. Thank you so, so much. To end on a lighter note, I had a dream when I was eight years old of a little girl with brown curly hair and an adorable round face with big brown eyes. I knew at the time she would be my daughter and her (laughs) name would be Emily. Fast forward to 1996. My second child was on the way. When she was born, I knew it was her. So I named her Emily. Sure enough, as she got a little older, she looked exactly like she did in my dream. This was my baby daughter whose life was saved that day by the calm nurse or maybe by an angel. Thank you both for <laughs> thank you both for you just all like that you shivered. Do. I did. It's like really <laughs> thank you both for all that you do. Thank you for allowing me the place to share my true story. I adore the podcast. I'm proud of you both. And it's so fun to listen while I'm in my sewing studio. P.S. They did finally put seatbelts in shopping carts. Good. Better late than never. Tori. My gosh, Tori, that I can't even imagine like the anxiety and the fear that happened in that moment. And I'm so glad that Emily's okay. I know. But I'm so curious too, because if this nurse, Laura, Paula, 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 if Paula was a guardian or an angel or some kind, like then what did people see at the hospital? Because she was just taken directly through everything. Right. Like was someone with them? Or it's almost like, did she, did she appear as a different person? Like someone who actually did work in the hospital? Did they take on that appearance? Or was it just some sort of like magical juice where it's like everyone was just hypnotized and going through the process and yeah, and then seeing the baby and they didn't know why or how or who brought them in? But it was meant to be. Yeah, I don't know. Because she did walk right through. And like to check with the department right. too. Like, oh, who who yesterday treated the, like who brought in the like little girl who right. was concussed? And they're like, we don't know. Right. Gosh, I want to like, I mean, now it's so long ago that it's going to be so hard, but like I would have called every day and been like, has that nurse come in? Because if I was that nurse, I would talk about that experience. Like, wow, what happened yesterday was so wild and so scary. I'd like want to go to the department store and be like, do you have cameras? Yeah. But it is, it's like one of those things where it's almost like it's tempting to investigate it, but it's also just like, what a miracle that everything worked out. And maybe we should just take it as that. That is the greatest takeaway is like, it's like a beautiful moment of just something that could have been so terrible and so scary, Yeah, which it was scary and terrible, but like has a positive happy ending. Right. I wonder if that store clerk is haunted by 
the time that they froze and couldn't Ugh. get off the phone to call 911. But, I mean, to be fair, I imagine that's like a young person. Like, you know, I I understand freezing in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. But even if I was 16, I think I would still think about that moment yeah. all the time. Be like, never again. If I ever get the opportunity <laughs> to do that, I'm going to make up for it. Okay. <laughs> this is a, this is from Mary, the, the ghost grabbed ass story. <laughs> the one with the butt ass grabbing story. It's just like a short, funny thing. So uh, I wanted to tell y'all this funny little story, and maybe you can use it on the podcast a little later on. I was listening to the episode about the body farm story, and you were saying, I wonder if the dead people care about where they are and stuff. So this is just a little short, funny story. Well, when I was a teenager, I'm pretty sure I was into that show, Dead Like Me, Paranormal State, and other ghostly shows and such. Well, it got me thinking. You know, when these people die in movies and shows and the ghosts are wearing the same clothes they died in, well, my teenage insecure self was like, I don't want to die in my sleep and not have a bra on as a ghost. (laughs) So for a solid year or year and a half, I started wearing a bra to bed just in case I died in my sleep. Mary! (laughs) Joke's on me because being braless alive or dead is the way to be. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much if you read this goofy story. Can't wait to see you in October in Norfolk. Mary. Mary clearly got over it because Mary was walking around pantsless. Yeah. Not a few years later. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I can't even remember the last time I wore a bra. I was about to say I'm wearing one now, but I'm not. I have my swimsuit on already. You You have your swimsuit and your sunglasses on. Guys, I'm ready. You're so ready. It was 7.30 a.m. and I was like, I'm putting on my swimsuit and my sunglasses (laughs) because the second I get to that pool, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, well, now I'm going to change it to my swimsuit. You should. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, this was fun. Thank you, everyone, for sharing your haunted stories. Please, if you have not emailed us yet, we are still accepting stories. And the amount of people we've met at the meet and greets after shows who are like, oh my gosh, I have to tell you the story. I'm like, have you emailed it? And the Almost amount of people. Says now. <laughs> and I like want to scold you. So email us. So we're setting a date. And that date is now. <laughs> January here I'm gonna I'm gonna choose a, a date and time and we're all gonna have a date together just we can assume we're all doing it all at once oh like put it on your calendar yep so mark your calendar for Sunday January 7th we're all going to be sitting down maybe make a fire or some hot cocoa try to warm yourself put on some fuzzy socks mm-hmm. and sit down with your computer for 45 minutes and just put together your thoughts and your ghost story don't read it back. Just send it. Don't question how you wrote it, punctuation, spelling errors. We don't care. We edit it on the fly. Yeah. Send it. Send it. January 7th. We'll create a shared Google invite. <laughs> Everyone's coming. Everyone's invited. Yes. Email us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com and tell all your friends about the podcast because Pyramid Scheme, it's working. Follow us on social media. Mm-hmm. Check out our YouTube. Yeah. And do the things. Do all the things. We love you all. And we will see you you on the other side.